We have the ability to define success. It's all about their vision and then making sure you align their vision with their work ethic. I wanted to be the hero, man. I wanted to save kids. That was my job. That's what I was going to do. This is SB Live's The Prep Slab with TJ Cotterell, the podcast where you will hear authentic conversations about how things get done in high school athletics. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit scorebooklive.com slash Washington to access all the Preps Lab podcasts, as well as statewide high school sports news, features, photos, highlights, and more. Different high school sports programs across the state have seemingly different measures of success. Some gauge it by wins and losses, winning state championships, league titles, and the like. Or others use general measures such as growth, student enjoyment, or development. We're here talking much about this topic today with Suzanne Vick, a former standout athlete herself from Tacoma, who is now the athletic director and WIA board member from Curtis High School and University Place. Suzanne, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Well, just to give the listeners a little bit of background on you, Suzanne, uh, back when you played at Wilson High School in Tacoma, you earned 10 varsity letters in volleyball, basketball, and soccer before you went to the Eastern Washington University to play volleyball. Uh, then you led Eastern to the school's first ever trip to the NCAA tournament, and now you're in the Wilson High, Tacoma, Pierce County, and Eastern Halls of Fame. Uh, but can you talk a little bit first about what led you to get into teaching, coaching, and now your current role there as the athletic director at Curtis? Wow, what a big question. I started really thinking about sports just, I think, because the people that I've been surrounded with. Um, Growing up, my parents were athletes, my parents were coaches, they were um, part of just an athletic community. My siblings uh, were athletes as I was growing up, and the influence of NBC Camps has really helped to shape me uh, who I am as a person but also as an athlete. My uh, siblings both went on to play college uh, sports and my brother actually played professional soccer. My dad was a teacher at Mount Tahoma for 30 years and also coached football, was the boys soccer coach and started the girls program at uh, Mount Tahoma. And, you know, they were very much advocates for us in sports and learning the lessons that only sports can teach you. Uh, My dad was my soccer coach growing up, and the impact my parents had on me and my athletic career, um, it can't even really be described. My mom was in education. She was an office coordinator. Um, My biggest fan, she was always there everywhere we went. Um, I do remember really specifically, and probably one of my earliest memories in second grade, I decided I was either going to be a teacher or I was going to be a physical therapist. Um, which I don't even know why I knew what that meant in second grade. Um, So I ended up majoring at Eastern in education and sports medicine. So I ended up with kind of both worlds. I got to be a teacher and an athletic trainer. Um, But sports have played such an integral part of my life growing up. NBC camps is so dear to my heart. um, It's the largest residential sports camp in the world. But when I was 12 years old, I went to the Grand Oregon uh, for the second volleyball camp that they had ever hosted and um, continued to go to NBC camps my whole whole life as a student. And then when I graduated from high school, I went on and helped coach and became a site director, ultimately took uh, four different teams overseas 
um, in Europe and Australia. And now I, I help them with their registration out in Auburn each summer. So this was the first summer in, I think, 42 years, last past summer, that I wasn't there because the sports were canceled or camps were canceled because of the pandemic. Um, my first teaching job was in Tumacum, Washington, um, where I coached um, three junior high sports that I taught in Puyallup. Um, coached at Rogers High School um, with BJ Koontz, who's an executive, one of the executive directors of WIAA. Um, after teaching and coaching in Puyallup, I homeschooled for a while, to private school, and uh, was an athletic director at a small Christian private school. College professor, taught at Bates at the Technical College, and then um, most recently I was teaching in Clover Park at a school that didn't have sports. It was uh, at Harrison Prep. An international baccalaureate school and and i i probably i more times than i can count asked when are we going to have sports at this school because it's too valuable to these kids but what brought me to here is an interesting story i was on a walk with a friend um deanna bolts who works in our district and she um she said hey i think you need to apply for the ad job at curtis i think it's going to come up and i said well first off i'm not qualified for that job so thanks for thinking of me. She goes, no, 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 I think you are. And I said, no, I'm really not. You have to be an administrator to be the AD at Curtis High School. And I said, so she kind of dropped it. And a couple of weeks later, we we're on another walk. She goes, the job's open. I think you need to apply for it. She goes, I said, I'm not qualified for the job. And she goes, yes, you are. So then the wheels started spinning. I talked to my principal and vice principal at the school that I was teaching at, and they encouraged me to apply for it. And then I ended up um, getting an interview and a second interview and a third interview with the superintendent and um, ended up with the job. And I was like, oh, shoot, what did I just do? Um, so uh, almost three years ago, I got hired as the AD at Curtis High School, and I'm so thankful for the job. And I, I haven't looked back, but I, I'd be lying to tell you it, it hasn't been challenging. Um, the first year was a snowstorm and the second two have been a pandemic. So it's a, it's been a unique time, but I, um, I am who I am because of sports and I'm thankful that I can use my experiences to um, impact Curtis High School, WIA, West Central District, um, and the students that we serve. Well, you, you mentioned it. it's certainly been through quite a few challenges to get there, including schools that didn't have sports at all. You were teaching in Chimicum, which I remember you telling me you what, it wasn't even located on a map that you could find. Uh, anywhere, which I, I come from a small town, which probably is on a lot of maps uh, either. But you certainly had a lot of challenges uh, throughout your career. Knowing, understanding the, the journey you've gone through to get here, what do you feel is your greatest successes, particularly in, in your professional life and in sports, your personal career, and how does that shape and influence what you believe makes for successful programs uh, there at Curtis today? You know, the way you just said that made me think of a story of a kid from Harrison Press. And after graduation, two years after graduation, he came back to see me. And he was a he was a he was a pretty big kid. He was not very fit. He um, didn't really have any desire to be fit. And he just worked through our program and what we did. He had lost over a hundred pounds. And he came into the gym, and I just looked at him with these giant eyes, and he said, "I have made this decision." for me to be healthy because of the impact you had on my life. Um, and I was just in tears. I was like, are you kidding me? And I'm, I'm just so proud of 
of that moment because success can be defined in so many different ways, but um, it may sound soft to say success isn't defined by wins and losses. Some people would say that's just soft language. Um, and I like to win more than probably most people I know, um, but it it's bigger than wins and losses. And if you're not teaching kids and students and the impact that you can have on their lives, then there's no win in that at all. So um, it's interesting because every memory I have, I have one memory athletically that I would say that was a defining success moment, um, but they're not all about wins and losses and they're about experiences. Like I think about <clears throat> in seventh grade, I had a, a teacher coach say to me, wow, you're a big girl. And like that took me down a really, really dark path of thinking that I was fat. I'm sure the guy that said, wow, you're really tall, but I was tall and I was clunky and I was uncoordinated, but there was a coach that believed in me and kept me on the volleyball team, despite the fact that he, he was told, I can't believe you kept her. She's so uncoordinated. Um, and so he saw something in me and he's one of my like heroes. Like he, def he helped define and shape who I am because without him, I probably would have never done anything. And I probably would have never continued to play volleyball. So that was one of those perseverance despite the adversity moments and lessons. Um, my senior year, um, our volleyball team at Wilson was very successful. However, our coach was, um, he was very hard. He was, there wasn't a whole lot of grace. There wasn't a whole lot of life lesson, learning moments, um, bonding experiences. So my senior year, we had six girls try out for all of our teams, six. We had to beg a girl to come out and be a sub so that if someone got hurt, we'd get to continue playing the game. It was, it was pretty harsh environment. Um, and we built a bond as a team like none other. That was an experience, although it was, it was adversity for this team culture that had been created, but we had a team bond like none other. It was absent of our coach, but it was still a team bond. My sophomore year at Eastern, I was, I had just won the starting spot. And in a pregame practice, I went up to block a ball. Somebody came under the net I, and I sprained my ankle bad. And I was out for six weeks and that taught me life lessons of overcoming to be able to go through and come out on the other side ahead. When you said that we won the um, won the Big Sky and got to go to the national tournament, um, we were ranked eighth out of nine that year. Like everybody thought we were going to be awful, like terrible. So you know that's in the papers, and you know Eastern's terrible. They're young. They're not going to do anything. And one by one we started chipping off every opponent that we faced and we needed one more game in Boise to cap the, uh, and clinch the state, uh, the big sky ch championship. And we won. And it was one of those, like one by one, we learned that we can win despite what everybody else thinks. Um, what I have a picture, I'm sure I still have it in a box somewhere. I'm standing on the top of the van with my hands over my head, like, like we did it. We accomplished something that was unattainable. Like that was the reality.
reality. We, we didn't know, but we just didn't let someone else's opinion define us. And so we got to go to the national tournament. We got clobbered at 45 minutes on national TV against Hawaii. But what an awesome, great experience that we got to be part of something like that because of sports. And then coaching at Rogers High School is probably one of the things that I just hold so dear because, you know, success, I would define as being in the experiences that we had, the stories that we created, the long-term relationships. Um, I remember meeting Brandon Bakke just shortly after I got hired um, for this job, and he said, you know you're successful as a coach when your former athletes invite you to their wedding. And I have friends, current friends that were on those teams. You know, I was really young. I started teaching at 21. And so, you know, some of those, like we're friends on Facebook, we connect, you know, BJ, the reconnection of her being part of WIA and me being athletic director and on rep assembly, like, those are those are successful because the relationships that were formed, the stories that we have that we hold dear. And we went to the state tournament. We wanted to win. This is not about, okay, go be soft and don't worry about winning. You can have both and, I think is what I what defines success for me. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, I I love how you just weaved all those personal experiences into that and how it's helped shape you. I'm curious how that has shaped your philosophy now as an athletic director and maybe what are some of the practical applications you have for how do you how do you get the all the programs at your school now to buy into the philosophy that you have and how you go about and navigate doing that um so getting programs to buy in nobody wants to lose nobody goes into a program saying gosh i hope we go oh and ten or 0 and 20. Nobody goes goes that way. It's way more fun to win. Anybody that really knows me knows that I am a I'm a winning fan. Like I like to win, and I am not really a fan of losing. Um, I think really continuing to to message um, what we what we believe in. So at Curtis, you know, I spent my first year really really working on what is it that we want to accomplish? What is it that we're going to line up with? Um, we created a mission vision values statement that um, lines up with what I believe, but also our coaches believe. We had everybody buy into what we are. And I, I always tell my coaches when they ask for something, I always filter it through. Does it go through that lens? Can I say that in our vision is that we are going to be recognized for excellence in the classroom and the community and competition? So if that's what we're about, does it filter through that lens? Do you need this to be excellent in the classroom, in the community, or in competition? Um, our, our core values say that we value servant leadership above all. Well, if that's the case, are we serving? Are our senior athletes serving our ninth grade athletes? Are our coaches serving our kids? And what does that look like? Um, the word core stands for commitment, ownership, respect, and excellence. Huge words that are so hard to define, but really easy to see if they're not present. And so when I think about success and you know the wins and losses, 
if a kid has a terrible experience, regardless of the wins and losses, there's no success. If education-based athletics is not part of a program, there's no win there regardless of what the record was. There's no success. If you're not teaching life lessons through the, the lens of sports, um, I think the one thing that is hard for, you know, when you think about comparing, you know, success on wins and losses, I think you can take club programs and, and you can define success based on wins and losses because you're picking who is in your program. You can pick a 6-4 middle blocker, but our middle blocker, Curtis, right now is 5-6 because I think everybody on our team is between 5-6 and 5-8. Like we don't have a choice to to put somebody in that role that would be a six four athlete because we don't have that person, and so the between clubs and and high school sports is very very different. You know I think without any outside influences, um, programs should have fluctuations in their wins and loss records. At a, at a public high school, we serve every kid that lives in our resident area, and in a club situation, I think you know they do get to pick from the best athletes. You can have two or three outsides and two or three middles. And I'm using the volleyball analogy because that's my that's my jam. It's what I do. But um, at high school, the 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 program gets the kids that are, are part of that school and, and then you make the best of it. And sometimes you're super talented or super tall or super big. And sometimes you're just not. I love how you talked about basing a lot of how you can base success is did the kid have a good experience despite the win and loss, the win loss record? And what's the community perception of your programs? Do you, do they see the servant leadership? Do they see the academic success. Those things can be hard to like to quantify though, because it's, it can be a very subjective thing. And I feel like in a conversation like this, it's really easy to, like we kind of touched on this before. It's really easy to downplay the effects of wins and losses. But I think we both know, and I think everybody who listens knows there's a big difference in the atmosphere in the school and the community when the football team goes eight and two compared to when it goes two and eight. It does make a difference in the community and the school and the spirit and everything that goes on in there and how people feel. So, but to you, how much should then wins and losses get? Is something that we can quantify, we can measure, uh, be considered when you're looking at whether one of your programs is on the right track and is doing the things that that align with your vision. I think you hit on that cor correctly because the experiences you're talking about are things that last a lifetime. The background that you have right now is the Tacoma Dome. That experience of being in the Tacoma Dome is something you can't get unless you win. As a spectator, it's different than if you get that floor pass and you can be on the floor. And it certainly wouldn't mean much if you got there without winning. It would diminish its value. For sure. But you can't, there's, there's no way to define success solely on wins and losses. Um, it's unfair. When you, tr when you have a group of student athletes that you don't hand select and then say that you're going to determine success based on wins and losses is unreal. Um, however, does a coach make the best of what they've been given? And then do they have a good experience in, in, in addition to that? Um, again, I, I like to win like, like none other. Um, and it is good coaches pull out the best in each and every one of their athletes. And sometimes it's not going to 
to be defined in the win-loss column, depending on the athletes that you have at the time. Um, but the thing that I, the unfair piece of that is very few people would ever say those comments about an eight and two or two and eight or a 18 and two record if it wasn't basketball and football. No, but very few people would ask that question if it was related to tennis or swimming um, or golf. Although the program itself has their own level and definition of success, there's so much emphasis on the basketball and the football success in relation to the culture of a school. And I think one thing that I'm really working on at Curtis is we've, and I, this is after my first year analysis, is that we were very much success in a silo. So here's the football program, here's the basketball program, here's the water polo program, here's the swim program, here's the tennis program, and everybody was in their own silos. And really working hard to define success in everybody being part of the same silo. And how does basketball support water polo, which supports girls soccer, which supports baseball and fast pitch? And so I want, um, I know every one of our coaches, when they're in the middle of their competition, they want to win. They are preparing every practice to win. Um, but again, goes back to what are the other lessons that are being taught in the midst of that? And if there are, there are not lessons being taught in the midst of that that are positive, you might as well just quit. It's not worth it. There's too much value in sports and, and what, what kids and student athletes can learn. We have a, an amazing community. We have, I don't, I don't get, um, I don't get phone calls and like that says, I can't believe you lost that game or that your program's this, I just, I don't. Um, I have been, I have felt so supported and it is it is amazing to be part of a, you know, some would say UP is a one horse town where University Place has one high school. Um, it has been sad to not have our, um, our community with us during this time of the pandemic. And I so look forward to the time when we can get back and have our fans in the stands and just really pull back the culture of, of Curtis High School and the University Place community. You, you kind of touched on this too, but I kind of want to address the flip side of, like we said, if you're, I think if you're, the higher you go in sports, the more that win-loss becomes a measure of your program success. But in, in high school, I, I, I love what you said, kids experience, um, perception in the community of your programs. Um, and I, I think this would address the flip side of that because does any school from anywhere no matter if your school's population includes 70% free and reduced lunch kids or 10% free and reduced lunch kids have just as much a chance of getting to the Tacoma Dome or wherever the state championships might be in any sport any year. Because I think we see a lot of similar type programs get to the state playoffs every year, particularly in high cost sports like volleyball and baseball and golf. Um, so how do you feel about the parity in high school sports? And because we don't see every school from anywhere, anytime, in any sport get to state every year, how does that impact how you ought to measure success in that sport too? Because you said you had family at schools that would have close to that 70% free and reduced lunch rate that struggle to win any games in a year, let alone try to get to a state championship. Well, this has become louder through the pandemic. 
it has become very obvious that there's disparity in financial ability and your ability to be successful athletically. Um, it is, it's, it has been so loud, which is why we at Curtis have been working so hard to figure out how to get our athletes back on our campus. Um, even if it was on a, you know, one kid per basket or small pod workouts, because the kids that are either really, really good or had the financial resources were able to go do stuff during the pandemic. And those that didn't had no opportunities. And it is, um, it's been, it's been sad for me to watch and, um, and see that. And so I'm a big advocate of, of high school athletics are where it's at. We started a junior high intramural program because we knew that we probably would have nothing going on in a competitive realm for our junior high athletes. And so we just decided to go with our district um, and we've been able to pull off a cross country program, a track program and a soccer program. And we're just going to start next week an ultimate field sports and a volleyball program at our junior high. We gotta provide opportunities for kids regardless of their financial status. That just sounds so awful. The inequity in that is, is ridiculous. And so um, you, you have to, I think people have to take that into consideration when they're, especially when they're trying to define success. Opportunities, uh, more opportunities lead to more success um, if you're going to use wins and losses as the measure. I was curious if you might elaborate on this a little more. Do you find yourself knowing, now that we know that you're, what your philosophy for what success looks like, do you find yourself ever having to battle people, stakeholders in your community? over, no, this is how we're going to measure success versus what they view is what should be uh, successful programs at Curtis? Absolutely not. Um, our, like I said, our community has been unbelievable. Um, I know there are communities because I, I sit and talk with athletic directors where um, they get a lot, they have a lot of conversations with stakeholders and community members. Um, our community has been incredibly supportive of me and where we're going. Um, I've tried hard to make sure the messaging goes out. Obviously, I hope you don't hear that I don't want to win. We want to win games. I want to have coaches in the right spot that have the ability to teach kids the game the right way and teach life lessons. Um, but no, we, we have just had the best support, not only from our administration, but also from our community and families. How does your background as a mom and you have three kids who are all fantastic basketball players. Uh, Jace over at Northwest, Zach over at SPU, and Tyche is coming off a first-team All-League season as a freshman at Curtis. How, how does your background as a mom, too, also impact how you define uh, success for both your kids and the players in your other programs? I'm sure it has something to do with how I define success. Um, being an athlete myself, um, but also being a mom of athletes, I'm in a gym a lot. I see a lot. I watch and I observe um, people a lot um, and how kids act, how coaches act. I, um, my ultimate goal of success for my own personal athletes, my kids, is that they become great humans and that they pour their whole entire being into being passionate and becoming their best selves. The life lessons 
to become that are just unbelievable. They're life impacting. I want them to be servant oriented adults that are just great humans. That's success to me. I'm so thankful that they get to play the sport they love at the next level and um, and that they work hard. They've learned that if I want what I say I want, I have to work hard for it. I have to do something different than other people are doing to be able to get there. That's success to me. Um, they didn't just get to go be college athletes. They worked hard to be college athletes and those are lessons that will take them into the rest of their lives. And, you know, maybe they'll be coaches themselves and they'll take the best and the worst from the coaches that they've had and go be better coaches themselves. But I just, my goal is that my kids become great humans. Yeah, I was curious about that change when, when you have kids because my kids are a little young for me to have that perception now, three-year-old and one-year-old. But what I hear from others is that, you know, when you actually have kids in these programs, your mentality kind of changes a little bit and sometimes you're fighting you know, all the stuff that you know that you've told parents before, but now that you actually are, it becomes a little bit different. Have you found yourself in some of those situations where, you know, I've said these things to other parents before, but now that I actually am a parent, you know, I can see where the struggle is and, and not trying to put all the weight on wins and losses or making sure that, um, you know, that they're, they're getting other things out of these programs. Do you fight your, find yourself ever battling maybe things that you would talk to parents about in the past? It's different for sure. Like now that I, you know, I went from being a sports mom to being a sports mom and the role of leadership in the gym. And I'm just a different, I'm, I'm different than most sports parents. I don't yell. I just smile. I, I just watch and I enjoy watching my kids play. Um, others sometimes don't. And so we need to have some different conversations and and it's, um, there's a lot of sadness that in my mind that comes out of um, watching parents in the stands, watching their kids. Um, I've always had the philosophy that if I'm going to trust the coach that, that is with my child, I'm not going to do anything to usurp their authority. Um, I will always coach my kid's character. When I see something in a competition that I was like that, that character piece of you, we need to have a conversation because that's my mom role. But as far as athletically, uh, their coaches are there for a reason. That's what they're. And so I really am really mindful of not doing anything that would contradict what a coach says and just love them and love them through the sport. And I, I just love to watch them play. That's so awesome. Yeah. We definitely see parents on, on both sides of that spectrum, but I think the coaches certainly appreciate it more as, as you've probably experienced when you're not the parent that's hounding in their ear and letting them do their jobs. And I'm curious about this question too, because with no state championships this year, at least for now, um, and no trips to Tacoma Dome for now, has this season changed the way that you are serving the student athletes in your programs and your role and what your coach's role should be or do you treat this as you do any other any other season? How do you how do you go about handling and navigating this year, and especially with all the the challenges the pandemic has brought on? This year's different. It is a hundred percent different. I couldn't be more proud of Viking Nation. Um, first off, our, our administration, um, from our superintendent all the way down, wanting what's best for kids. They know 
that kids being involved with their trusted adults is the is one of the most important things to help them with their mental health. Our coaches for their heart for kids and their willingness to serve. Um, the second that we got the go ahead on, I think it was October 16th to do um, small pod workouts. 22 of our 26 programs were running small pod workouts on a consistent basis. Um, we had over 650 athletes cleared to be part of what we were doing. I don't think that was the same everywhere. And not only that, our, our athletes were willing to share of themselves and share their heart and trust us that we were doing this well and safe. It's different in a lot of ways too, because we, 11 months ago, we literally stopped everything. We told them they were grounded. They didn't do anything wrong and that they had to stay away for almost a year. That's rough. Um, so we've done some things, you know, I have <laughs> I've picked up my social media game in trying to work hard to, to give messages of hope and inspiring. It is not a space that I um, really wanted to be in, but I decided I was gonna leave a message every day to our student athletes till we came back. And what happened there is I really thought, like they told us we were going away for three weeks for cleaning and we never came back. So like 70 messages later, and then summertime hit. Um, our lens is really caring for kids and their social emotional health as the number one priority. I, I honestly, kids wanna win, we wanna win, but wins, wins are so far down the list right now. Getting kids connected with their trusted adults and their teammates um, is our number one prior, priority. Taking care of their physical bodies, getting them back in shape. Um, some of these kids have sat on the couch for 11 months um, so that's important, doing that in a safe way. We started a, um, prior to us returning to sports, we started a, um, we called it our VIP program, and it was um, biking injury prevention program with our trainer in the evenings to kind of build some physical stamina and core strength and just to prepare them to come back safely. Um, we're really intentional about caring for our culture and our community. Um, we did a, a Friday Night Lights um, event before Christmas that was just a, it was a only about fitness. It was all programs were invited to come to the stadium and do a workout. We had um, loud music and an announcer and we, you know, we limited our capacity and everybody was six feet apart, but it was just, it was an event of culture and community. We just started a new um sports curriculum that's called Bigger Than Sports Bikes. And each week for the six week season, there's a theme. And there's a, the way each coach has the theme and their uh, three guiding discussion questions. And they are to facilitate a conversation with our student athletes. They're not going to teach to our student athletes, but they're gonna, our athletes are gonna get to have a conversation. And our first message is about unity. And next week's uh, message is about grit. They've had so many different experiences to model the word grit over this last year and really want them to share how, they, how they've gone through it and how they can help others get through it too. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that program and, and hopefully really being able to bring a new culture um, once we get to be back in, in live person. Yeah, I don't want to say we, we maybe took it for granted, but I think certainly it's reinforced how important it is just to get out there just to have these opportunities to, for kids to come together and uh, build social skills and um, learn how to challenge themselves physically and emotionally and 
yeah, I think I think this time off certainly reinforced those aspects. And it sounds like what you were saying there totally agrees with that. Uh, if we can end on this, though, what what advice might you give to other ADs, coaches, wherever they may be, for how they can best build successful uh, programs? I think this is a this is a both and. I, first off, you got to know your sport. We're not going to hire a coach that doesn't know what they're talking about. And so they have to be the best at their craft. They have to be intentional and goal oriented and growth minded that they want to consistently and um, learn their game, learn what it is. I appreciate you earlier. We were talking about, you know, becoming a competent coach. Competency is important because your team needs to have confidence in you that you know what you're talking about. There's nothing worse than an athlete saying, well, I know more about this sport than coaches do. And a lot of our athletes, they're playing at a very high level, starting really early. And if you have a, a coach that actually doesn't know more than the athlete, that's that's a recipe for disaster. And so hiring um, incredibly competent coaches in the skill of the game is really important. But the coach has to line up with your philosophy. They don't line up with the philosophy of uh, you as the AD, but also you as the school um, that's a recipe for disaster as well. I've seen kids um, belittled. I've seen kids um, have a terrible experience, even though the coach knows um, what they're talking about. I actually, your background is the uh, Tacoma Dome, and I watched in the Tacoma Dome after a game that was a place, it was a placing game, it wasn't for first place but it was a different placing game and the team lost and their coach was very confident, knew the game very well. They ended up losing. And instead of going out shake, or shaking hands and going out and getting the trophy, the entire team as well as coaches went to the locker room. Well, that coach was really confident, but he missed an incredible opportunity to teach kids about humility and honoring others and um that kind of thing stands out to me like that's not my philosophy that's not who i am as a person nor would i bring that to curtis high school so i think you have to have someone that lines up with your philosophy of um athletics and what you can do in an education-based mode but also um they've got to know what they're talking about Kids have to get better. If you get done, even in this short six-week season, if your athletes are not better at their game, by the end of those six weeks, that coach probably needs to find something else to do. The kids have to get better at their game, and, and that can be a, an also measure of success if you're not getting a wins and losses. Are they better at the end of your season than they were when they started? And a lot, sometimes they're not, and then you wonder why. Like, if kids will run through a brick wall for you, because they care about you, they know you care about them, and you know your game, you're gonna get great success from them. They're going to grow and they're gonna feel more confident about themselves. I um this this is this is a passion for me. How do we get the best out of our kids? And it is really a both and you've got to care for kids, they gotta know you care about them, and then ultimately they you gotta know the game. Whatever that game is, you got to have the best person in that spot to teach the game. Suzanne, we've been so lucky to be able to have a chance to talk to you today. Thank you so much uh, for all your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and uh, go Bikes. <laughs>